In this presentation, we will take a look at a cash accounting method with relation to a sole proprietorship that would be reporting on a Schedule C. This information can be found in Publication 334. Cash Method Most individuals and sole proprietors with no inventory use the cash method because they can find it easier to keep cash method records. So note that if we're a small business, and we don't have inventory, that's going to be one of the factors that may require us to be an accrual method. The cash method is often used. One reason is because it's typically easier to use the cash method, and it's kind of easier to audit the tax method too, because, I mean, the cash method, because we can track the actual payments that we've received and paid in, in real time and use those as the driving factors back to the text. However, if an inventory is necessary to account for your income, you generally must use an accrual method of accounting for sales and purchases unless you are a small business taxpayer. So again, inventory is one of those types of areas where the IRS is going to say, no, we don't accept the cash method with relation to inventory possibly. And you may be required then to use the bit more complex accrual method back to the text. Defined later in this chapter. For more information, see inventories later. So we'll discuss that a bit more in a later time. So just note that if you're a service type of business and you don't have inventory, you provide service, you do work, you get paid for your time, then typically you can qualify for the cash method. And oftentimes, most many service companies, many small businesses, service companies typically do uh, report using the cash basis method. Again, it's a little bit easier. Back to the text. Income. Under the cash method, include your gross income, all items of income you actually or constructively received during the tax year. So in essence, we're going to basically the income that we got, we're going to report. So if we go through our checking account, then all the money that's a deposit that came from customers, we can basically think, well, that's kind of that's going to be income. Notice it's going to be actively or constructively. So what does that mean? In essence, constructively got. So we'll get into a little bit of terminology in terms of constructively received. But usually it means that we've gotten some type of payment, a check, credit card payment. We've actually received payment in some way. Back to the text. If you receive property or services, you must include the fair market value in income. Now, note that under a cash basis, you might think, well, what if I don't get cash? What if I do work and I somehow barter or something like that? And under the cash method, I wouldn't have to report income and then I wouldn't have to uh, pay taxes on it. Well, that's not the case. The cash method is really just a principle on when, when the reporting basically happens. So if you got something other than cash, then uh, you'd still have to include the fair market value of what, whatever it is you receive. So bartering does not mean or just trade does, an elimination of the cash within a business transaction does not remove the need to report the income and pay and pay typically taxes on it. Example, on December 30th, 2017, Miss Sycamore sent you a check for interior decorating services you provided to her. You received the check on January 2nd, 2018. You must include the amount of the check in income for 2018. So again, note you did the work December 30th, 2017. So under an accrual method, we would report the income when we did the work. But the money didn't hit our bank account until January of 2018, or we didn't get it until January 2018. So we're going to report it in 2018. And notice how that's easier and not exactly right, because you might think, well, I did the work here, and the accrual method says, hey, you should report it when you did the work, because that's when you earned it. But under the cash method, we're going to do it when we get the money. And that's easier to do, because if I just go to my bank statement and say, well, look, I got the money right there. I can audit it. I can track it. I don't have to say, well, when did I do the work? I don't know. I got the invoice or this. We, went. we don't have to do that. 
we could just follow the money which is typically easier to do it's also easy can be manipulated too so that's the problem with it but and that's why the IRS likes it to one degree because they can follow the money but also they don't like it to some degree because you can uh, change the, the money right and that could change the amount of when you report it so in any case that's small businesses can use that and it's usually easier because then we just check we could check when we got the money and that's typically when we report the income related to it back to the text constructive receipt so remember we have that terminology so what does that mean what does it mean to have constructive receipt because we have to report the income if it was constructively received back to the text you have constructive receipt of income when an amount is uh, credited to your account or made available to you without restriction so if you have the money and and note this is another thing it's often useful to think in terms of what would people try to do if they're trying to lower their taxes and how would the irs basically stop that from happening right you could you could think of a situation where someone would say hey well don't pay me don't pay me yet it's december i don't want any repayment until the next day so why don't you you just put that money that check on the coffee table and i won't touch it until the next day or something like that uh and therefore i haven't really received it because i didn't i didn't touch it i didn't open the mail or something like that well the irs is going to say no you can't you have you basically the the check is there you have it right you have the ownership of it it's available to you there's no restrictions to it or not there's no one stopping you from uh having it and therefore you can't defer it until the next time period under those conditions it's basically constructively received in that case so that that's kind of the scenario or how you can start to think of what does it mean to be constructive that might help you memorize it back to the text you do not need to have possession of it if you authorize someone to be your agent and receive income for you you are treated as having received it when your agent received it so if the agent said hey i'm gonna have someone pick it up someone picks up the check and you just say hey agent don't give me the don't give me the check yet until january you just sit and hold on to it for me well the agent is acting in your interest you have no restrictions to it and therefore that's not enough to say that i haven't received it yet because your agent acting in your interest is holding on to the check back to the text example interest is created uh, to your bank account in december 2018 you do not withdraw it or enter it into your uh, passbook until 2019. You must include it in your gross income in 2018. Uh, delaying receipt of income. You cannot hold checks or postpone taking possession of similar property from one tax year to another to avoid paying tax on the income. You must report the income in the year the property is received or made available to you without restriction so again the IRS is skeptical of this of course because what happens with income the the if you're looking at income usually what what people want to do is lower income or defer the tax not pay it now but pay it later because of the time value of money so the the people are skeptical the IRS is skeptical of any tactic that basically looks like they're saying hey I I could have gotten the income reported this year but I delayed it till next year any kind of tactic like that which and under a cash method would basically be something like trying not to get paid even though someone's trying to pay me in this year and trying to push it over into the next year would be a way to defer the taxes for a year the irs is is clearly would be skeptical of that and that's what some of these things are kind of leading towards and that'll give you an idea of how to how to kind of think about these items back to the text example 
Francis Jones, a service contractor, was entitled to receive 10,000 payment on a contract in December 2018. She was told in December that her payment was available. So it's there. She said, hey, it's available to you right now. At her request, she was paid. She was not paid until January. So they was told to her, hey, you can get paid anytime. Here it is. And she says, well, don't give it to me till January. Well, She's constructively received it. There's no restrictions to it in December. The fact that she didn't actually get it till January, is, it's kind of like the agent type thing holding on to it. Uh, and when she had, there's no restriction to it. So she must include this payment in her 2018 income because it was constructively received. And what is she trying to do there? Or what would the IRS see her as trying to do? Trying to not report the income till 2019. And again, you might say, well, why? how does that even benefit? Because she's going to have to pay taxes in 2019. And that's true. But what it does at it, the bottom line is it defers it to not pay in 2018 and then, and then not have to pay until a, a year later. Plus, if you allow that to happen, people can then do tax planning between the years and, and determine which year they might have more income or less income. And uh, it, it allows a lot of kind of leeway between it. So the IRS is trying to say, that there's more of a high a hard line on when you report the income you can't just manipulate when you're going to receive payments to manipulate uh, you know how much tax you owe in one year or another even though in theory it would just be a timing difference meaning you'd pay less in 2018 because you have less income and you'd have to pay more in 2019 and notice what we're looking at in terms of the schedule c we're looking at this income line so income minus expenses is the income that's going to be reported on the 1040 which is going to be the income that we have to pay taxes on. We want this number to be low because <laughs> the higher it is, the more taxes we pay. So that means that we want this number, this is what we're talking about, to be lower if possible. Legally, this is what we're thinking. We want this to be lower. We want to report less because that'll make the net income lower for taxes. Again, we want to look bad. We don't go to the Death Star of the IRS with saying we have a lot of money we want to look bad say hey, i don't got much money <laughs> so in general you want to have this be lower if possible any legal way that that could be the case so back to the text example dr reed received a check for 500 on december 31st 2018 from a patient she could not deposit the check in her business account until january 2nd 2019 she must include this a fee in her income for 2018 Again, just holding on to the check and not putting it into the account until the end of the, until next year doesn't doesn't do it. Doesn't mean that you can't not report the income. Back to the text. Uh, debts paid by another person or canceled. If your debts are paid by another person or canceled by your creditors, you may have to report part or all of this debt uh, relief as income. If you receive income in this way, you constructively receive income when the debt is canceled or paid. For information, see canceled debt. So again, you could you could think about this. I mean, if it, if we have us and we have the bank over here, and then if the bank cancels our check, then in essence that's the same as as paying us. Like if we owe if we owe the bank a hundred dollars, and they and they basically uh, cancel the debt, then that could be a form of payment. Or if we had someone else here that said, I'm not going to pay you the $100 that I owe that that is owed to you, but I'm going to pay off the debt that you owe to the bank. Well, that's the same thing. That would be like me getting paid $100 and then paying off the debt. 
So in other words, you can't get away from income even on a cash basis, even though you didn't get the cash because the cash was just paid directly to the creditor to pay off the debt. That doesn't work. Just like the barter situation doesn't work, right? If you had A and B and they owed you $100, you can't accept $100 in, in like meals, you know, or something like that from the restaurant down the street that you did work with and barter it's still income you still got paid something even though it's not cash it still needs to be reported even though you're using a cash basis method anyway back to the text repayment of income if you include an amount in income and in a later year you have to repay all or part of it you can usually deduct the repayment in the year in which you make it if the amount you repay is over three thousand a special rule applies for uh, details about the special rule see repayment in uh, chapter 11. So you might see a situation, well, what if I got paid and then I have to repay that income in the future? Well, then you might have to report it as income when you got paid and then possibly get a deduction uh, when you repaid in the future. So if you want to look more into, if that's a situation that applies, you can take a look at publication 535 uh, business expenses for that. Expenses. Under the cash method, you generally deduct expenses in the tax year in which you actually pay them. So now we're on the expense side. So remember, here's our, here's our income minus expenses makes this number lower. So it, normally we want expenses to be low and income to be high. But you notice we're paying taxes here. So we want the reverse. Expenses are like deductions. We want the expenses to be high, the income to be low, at least on the reporting, legally reporting that we can have, because that's going to lower our amount that we're going to be taxed on. So we're trying to lower... I mean, we're trying to increase the expenses and lower the net income. So we would like expenses to be high. And under a cash method, you can see the same kind of finagling that could happen here. The IRS is skeptical now of us trying to pay expenses in the current year with the cash. If we have money, we can say, hey, I'll just pay a year's worth of expenses in December. And then I get to deduct it now as opposed to later. So it's a timing issue that the IRS is concerned with. So that all these... Uh, items are going to be dealing with these timing issues where someone's going to try to manipulate. You could think of it this way, right? How would you manipulate the cash basis to increase expenses in this in this year? Well, you'd pay more stuff off with cash this year. And so you could pay like a year's worth of rent today or something like that. That's what the IRS is, of course, going to be skeptical of. It's still a timing difference because you would think that we would owe more next year. But you at least get to defer the money and that would be too much leeway to basically be playing around with, you know, when you pay the taxes to the IRS, you would think. Back to the text. This includes business expenses for which you contest liability. However, uh, you may not be able to deduct an expense paid in advance. So that's an advance payment. So if you paid the rent in advance, the IRS, of course, is skeptical of that because they're thinking you did that just to avoid the taxes. So advance, well, that's my interpretation of the advance, or you may be required to capitalize certain costs as explained later under uh, uniform capitalization rules. Expenses paid in advance. You can deduct an expense you pay in advance only in the year to which it applies. So example, you are a calendar year tax payer. You pay 1000 in 2018 for business insurance policy effective for one year beginning July. So you can deduct 500. So insurance is the classic example. You have to prepay insurance. So you, you typically, you might prepay insurance only a year and then they cover you for the next year or whatever. 
But if, if you pay it a whole year, the IRS is saying, well, you can only deduct half of that because part of it is in the other year. And you can see what's happening here. They're jumping back to an accrual method. That's an accrual kind of policy. So in a prepayment, for an, on a cash basis, the IRS says, no, you, the, the accrual method benefits us here. So we're going to make you use, in essence, an accrual method when it applies to a prepayment because, we don't, because otherwise we think you might take advantage of a prepayment. Uh, so the, the insurance is the classic example, but you can do it with anything. You can see the rent. You can imagine someone paying the rent you know, all a year in advance or five years in advance and trying to take a huge deduction in one year or something like that. Can't typically do that. 